Hello and welcome back to Rowan and the Wasteland, where we discuss a film and honor its place amongst its peers. I am the titular Rowan, and joining me as always, he can't see it because he's not of gentle birth. Mr. Shane Kanto, ladies and gentlemen. I'm the shadow in the moon that you see at night. <laughs> Get ready. Halloween's coming. It's true. Uh, this, uh, this episode will come out. Um uh the week before halloween week uh so you know uh we may be doing something halloween themed next week we may not you'll find out at the end of this episode um but uh shane how are you generally i i know it's in in real world life it's been a, it's been a couple weeks since we, re- we recorded in podcast time it's only been a week but uh how you been school year starting school year crazy oh, yeah. uh, we're through one week 13 more to go Oh That's kind of where I'm at. Is it only thirteen until huh? like? Is it only thirteen until winter break range? Yeah, Ryder has a very short um, semester compared to wow. most colleges. Wow! But um, it's been exciting times. I've gotten to see a lot of films early, which is exciting. I even had to say no to a couple of screenings because, like, I had other stuff to do. <laughs> but you know, That's when you know you've made it. Yep, it's when you know you made it. Just like I have a Phillies game, I can't go see the Woman King uh, early press screening on a Friday night. So exciting! How are you, Rowan? I'm good. Uh, just like you, the school year has started. I am in a, a, a quite a different place than you in that regard. But um, yeah, it's I honestly just love being back, immersing myself back into this very different world from back home. Being with my friends has been just absolutely uh, incredible. But, you know, this podcast, it's familiar. This podcast feels like home, you know, Um, so so I'm I'm, I'm glad to be doing another episode with you, uh, my friend, and looking forward to many more as well. Absolutely. We keep on rolling. We (laughs) keep on rowing. Absolutely. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm the one that makes the puns around here, Mr. Wasteland. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But uh, today uh, we have a very recent and very fun uh, film to talk about. Actually, I don't know if, if, if fun is the word I would use. Um, I had fun watching it. Yeah, I totally had fun watching it, but I don't know if it, like if I would classify it as a fun movie. Um, This is a kajillionaire. Uh, a, a film released in uh, the year of our Lord 2020, the year that time forgot, um, and uh, starring uh, Ev- uh, Evan Rachel Wood as Old Dolio, uh, a uh, a woman who has grown up in a very manipulative family where she has been taught to steal and con and lie since birth. Um, and uh, yeah, uh, Shane, I, I assume you saw this back in the day when it first came out. Yeah, I had an interesting experience with this film because I did get a. This was one of the first screeners I ever got, and I remember watching and being like, "I don't even know what to think of this." I didn't think much of it, honestly. But then it was one of those movies that just kept marinating there, and then you're just like, "I want to watch this again," and then you gave me the excuse. So thank you, Robin. Why you're welcome. Um, I uh, I I. I don't really know. I, th- I feel like this was just more of a, of a watch list thing for me, but I just like, even at first glance, I love the cast. Evan Rachel Wood, <laughs> Richard Jenkins, Deborah Winger, Gina Rodriguez uh, is, is, is a pretty major character in here uh, as well. Um, yeah, it was, it, it, I, everything about it just looked fascinating and I'd heard a lot of good things. So of course I figured why not? And uh, this movie absolutely does not disappoint. Uh, Shane, what are your, what are your thoughts on uh, Kajillionaire? 
This is one of the quirkiest, weirdest crime thrillers that I think you'll ever see. And one of the most disgusting, despicable families you'll watch in film. And also such a weird, offbeat romance that buds. And such unexpected, like, raw chemistry between Evan Rachel Wood and Gina Rodriguez. And there's so many things going on in this film. And all of it's just absolutely absurd. And you can tell the world around them is not in on the joke. But all them are. <laughs> these This lovely band of grifters. Maybe Richard Jenkins' character can go and teach at Community and teach the grifting class that Matt Berry did. I, I, I was just about to say it. It, it, it reminded me very much of that. Um, yeah, it, it, this was... Um, I, I really, really love this movie uh, as well. It, it's, it's just so offbeat and so quirky. And I like what you said about the world not being in on the joke, but all of the characters are uh, and, and, and just how they're supposed to act and, and the world that they that they think they're in. Um, I just I just think it's so interesting. And the interactions between them and the characters that are living in the separate world, I just think is, is just so endlessly fascinating um, because, you know, like, I'm sure there are people out there who who live like this, who act like this, who do stuff like this. Uh, maybe they don't do it exactly like this because this is very uh, very odd and very quirky. But still, it, it does uh, it does work in the in in the world that this movie presents. Uh, I don't know how many uh, you know different fictional worlds it would work in, but it it felt pretty at home in this in this pretty um, you know standard uh, reimagining of our own of our own reality. Yeah, I find it very interesting because, like, all four performances in this film, like, the main four are all so very different. And the performance that Evan Rachel Wood gives is so physical and specific and weird in her choices. And, like, even down to her voice where she's just talking like this all the time. And, like, the... They're trying to sneak by a wall and everybody else like crouches down and she just like bends completely back <laughs> to walk by. And like the whole like getting into the bank where she like does a barrel roll and just like drops. It's just everything about that character. This is such a far call, uh, cry from like Dolores from Westworld. And, like, I feel like most people know Evan Rachel Wood at this point in this moment because of Westworld. But, like, her performance is so odd and specific. Gina Rodriguez is obviously the most normal kind of salt-of-the-earth person in this film because at least she feels like she could come from our world. Everybody, the other three of them, this family feels like a bunch of aliens. Yeah. And, like, Richard Jenkins is, like, the most paranoid, off-the-grid kind of like we can't do anything that the system wants us to do and like Richard Jenkins is just eating it up and it's so interesting seeing Deborah Winger in this film too and because like I feel like I only really know her from what's a terms of endearment and she gives I feel like she might be a little overpowered by some of the other performances that might be a little bit more memorable but she delivers too Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, and Gina Rodriguez is really only 
um, super normal. Like, I don't want to give a lot away about what happens in this movie, but Gina Rodriguez is normal for about uh, just a couple minutes when we meet her. And then we, you know, we start to see who she really is. Um, in the you know when she gets sucked into this world that our main characters are living in she she really becomes an entirely different person and that is like that that is not easy to do when you are a performer to really play two different characters Mm -hmm. Uh, and 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 honestly at at some points i wasn't even sure when she was being truthful what she was really feeling and that is acting on top of acting and that is not easy to do um so yeah uh kudos to her yeah, that's a that's an interesting point because like obviously they're trying to do cons and stuff like that, but like Gina Rodriguez's con is that she can keep switching between like how she's acting with people. I don't think anybody in this main family are capable of like putting on a face. <laughs> and they're all like so quirky and weird and I feel like that's their con is that, like, people don't know how to deal with them. And they could kind of, like, manipulate that to their advantage. And Mm -hmm. it's such a warped reality that Richard Jenkins, Deborah Winger's characters, they created for their daughter. And that's why she's so weird. (laughs) But, like, Evan Rachel Wood just plays it so well. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And, you know, she is a truly phenomenal actress that, as you mentioned, most people only know from Westworld, but she she is just so much more capable beyond playing the characters that she does in Westworld because she, she, she does play a few different ones, but they're all, they're all really of the same note in the end, um, despite okay. the differences that happens in terms of story. But here is, this is just the polar, polar opposite of anything that I've seen her do before. And she is truly, truly fantastic. I honestly wish we could do a category on her. I just don't think she has enough movies. Um, so yeah. Far. Um, unfortunately, uh, Marilyn Manson had a lot to do with that. Mm, yep. Yeah. Which speaking of very interesting documentary on HBO max, um, about Ra- Evan Rachel Wood's experiences with that relationship. Mm-hmm. That's the thing, right? Yeah, I think it's interesting because she obviously has been through a lot of abusive relationships, specifically that one. And this film really is somebody trying to escape an abusive relationship and the cycle that it's that that hard to break. Absolutely. Yeah, and and, and that's really, you know, um, the most interesting part of it to me, really. And I think it's it's epitomized by the fact that um, to to get some just a little bit of extra money on the side, uh, Evan Rachel Wood's character Old Dolio goes to a parenting class in the stead of someone who is paying her to go, and um, she she keeps going because she is getting um, information about how she should have been raised and yeah. how she um, you know and 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 how she wants to be. Um, acknowledged and all that and 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 that is really gives her it gives her a new idea about what life should be and what it should have been for her and that characterization i just think is really interesting because it's a it's an experience so um dissimilar to my own in life that i just think is really really interesting to perceive and to see and you know as i mentioned at the top of the show who knows 
how you know if there is anyone who is really like this but i would bet that there is uh i i believe that there are people of all walks of life out there and um and you know a, a, a movie no matter how crazy or interesting it may seem it, uh, is probably um pretty uh you know does epitomize someone's experience out there no matter how you know um wild it may appear to be on screen um, yeah and as somebody who has quite an interesting dysfunctional family um <laughs> there you know there's a lot of different kinds of things that you experience and how it influences things and you know you meet other people and start to learn their experiences and then you start to take a step back and think about what you went through and, and i think this film really captures that in a meaningful way and that impressed me about it and i have to give a lot of credit to miranda july the writer and director of this film because this is a tight rope to walk and somehow she threaded the needle and just made that all work yeah and uh this is uh this is actually the first uh, feature film that July made that she did not act in. And when I saw that she directed this, I was like, where have I seen that name recently? She narrated Fire of Love, which of course, uh, as yep. we're recording, it just came out not too long ago. Um, so so I, I think that's a little fun, fun connection there that I wouldn't have uh, thought of before. But um, yeah, yeah. I mean, this, this, the way that this is shot is not entirely like revolutionary, but it does sort of underscore everything that's going on in a really subtle way because it doesn't like this is not a story that calls for um, a huge artistic, um, you know, like a, 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 a really, really big, um, you know, lavish production of any sort. Mm -hmm. But there are some really interesting choices. Like there is a scene where two characters get shut in a room during a um, like a, a tremor and it's just completely black. Yeah. It's just their voices for a solid couple minutes. Then there's a one shot in a gross, like in a convenience store. And like the, there are these things that seem little at the time, but are, but are, you know, just really, really interesting touches um, overall. And, and yeah, I, I fully agree. She, uh, Miranda July deserves all of the credit for that. Yeah. Cause this, this is somebody's vision and it's hers and it's uncompromised. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so, uh, any other thoughts on Kajillionaire? Yeah, go watch it. <laughs> yes, absolutely go watch it. <laughs> it is uh, only available to stream on Netflix in the UK as of now, but I'm sure, I, I, I think it used to be on HBO Max not too long ago, so I'm sure it'll come back, or, or to, to whatever service HBO Max becomes next year. Um, but yeah, who knows? Um, Shane, uh, I, I, I do have to ask, uh, where does Kajillionaire rank in your overall uh, Rowan and the Wasteland, uh, the, the, the 17 films that we have watched so far? What's interesting is I just remembered to put it in my list because <laughs> I completely forgot to do that. Good timing. I think this is my number seven, which is very interesting because it definitely wouldn't have been this high the first time I watched it. Um, interesting. But... It's right below the man who would be king and right be above the impossible. Very interesting. It is in a similar area for me. Um, it is my number eight, right above dead presidents and right below the impossible. 
So uh, quite a quite a close range there. I'm glad that this watch gave you. Um, I'm glad you were higher on it after this watch. I always love when that happens. Yeah, because um, I bought it. Mm-hmm. Like even after I didn't like it the first time I watched it, or it was right. kind of neutral to it, that I've just like it kept growing on me. I'm like, you know what? It's nine dollars on DVD. I'm gonna buy it. And then nice. got to watch it again. I certainly will watch it again. If somebody wants to watch a weird, quirky movie, that's definitely one I could show them. Yeah. <laughs> and my wife was huge on this even the first time we watched it. So mm-hmm. it really clicked for her. Nice. Very nice. Um, and of course, before we move on, I do have a couple fun facts about Kajillionaire. Um, as I mentioned before, this is Miranda July's first feature in which she doesn't um, act in addition to uh, to directing. Um, so if you're interesting, uh, interested in more of her stuff, she also acts in that as well. Um, and um, this was, um, according to Miranda July, uh, Evan Rachel Wood's uh, distinctive voice in this film is her natural voice. Uh, she has gone through uh, vocal training throughout her career to, to raise it, um, but uh, decided to revert to her natural voice for this role, which I think is absolutely fascinating because um, I, I never would have thought it. It just, it just feels so unlike anything else that I've ever seen her do. That is really interesting because, like, it really, like, she has quite a deep voice in this film and, like, very, like, muffled kind of. So that's interesting. Mm-hmm. And, like, I could definitely see why she felt the need to do that to make it in Hollywood. Because, mm-hmm. like, I don't think, because, you know, this <laughs> the film world is a shallow place. I don't think that really was like something that would be really selling, but you know, she started off real young in that movie 13 mm-hmm. and really got grabbed people's attention. I'm glad to see that she's still working. Definitely. Absolutely. And she, from the looks of it, she has quite a career uh, uh, ahead of her, if her, if her turn as Madonna in the weird Al Yankovic story is any in- indication. Yes. Oh my God. I can't wait for weird. Yes, I'm I've been waiting my whole life for this. <laughs> it was made for you. Um, we have uh, three categories, of course, to go over today. Uh, they are uh, dysfunctional families in films, which I think is great. Um, Richard Jenkins movies, the first time we have spotlighted an actor on Rowan in the Wasteland. And uh, 2020, of course, the year that time forgot. Um, let's start off with, uh, with, with dysfunctional, uh, families. Um, so Shane, this category seems like it would be, uh, more personal for you than not. No. Looking at this, I'm like, Hmm, how many of these (laughs) feel some connection (laughs) to, um, it's interesting. I have an interesting family Mm -hmm. and I tried to pick films that I felt like the dysfunction of the family was key to the film. Mm -hmm. So at number five, I have Lady Bird because nice. I feel like, like the whole entire relationship between her and her mother is so key to that film. Love Sarah Ronan and Greta mm-hmm. Gerwig. Love it. Uh, number four, Fantastic Mr. Fox, <laughs> because Fox just doesn't know when to stop. <laughs> and his wife puts up with a lot of crap and his son is ridiculously insecure about everything. <laughs> and i just love that movie so much and uh speaking of wes anderson honestly this whole entire thing could have just been wes anderson movies um number three is the royal tenenbaums mm, yep which you might um, reappear on my list <laughs> yep just royal himself i feel like i have men in my family that are kind of like royal oh 
And it's just like... I'm sure you got lots of stories about those. <laughs> yeah, and just the dynamic between the siblings and then just him trying to ham it up and try to just, like, I wouldn't say con, but schmooze everybody. Mm-hmm. Like, he just trying to make his way through. This is an interesting one, and I do think it's really important. His number two is Mary Poppins. Because, mm-hmm. like, the whole entire point she's brought in is because, like, the Banks family is not a, not a happy... F- functioning home no and when it really comes down to it mr banks is the one who needs to get saved also a good movie really enjoy that movie um but like that that whole dynamic and number one the shining (laughs) i know i wouldn't want to be left in a a like a um very creepy um empty hotel with my family that's I, I would not want to be in there with my family either, especially not my brother, um, <laughs> my 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 fifteen year old uh, teenage brother. Ooh, I'm if sure I had to pick crazy. anybody, my brother's the one going crazy and axe murdering everybody. Yeah, sorry, <laughs> and my dad's the writer. Uh, <laughs> but um, yeah, um, my list is uh, happily very different. Uh, my number five, I think that's the only crossover, is the Royal Tenenbaums, um, for all the reasons you mentioned. I'm so sorry for your loss. Your mother was a very attractive woman. <laughs> um, now I'll watch it again. I know. <laughs> maybe, maybe you could throw uh, it on uh, throw it on the list someday. You know? Somewhere over there. Yeah. Um, number four is Little Miss Sunshine. Uh, the family dynamic is very yep. much key uh, to, to the film. Um, and, and has some of the funniest family drama I have ever seen in a movie ever. Um, Kid, don't do drugs. You're young. You'd be crazy to do it. You do them. I'm old. I'd be crazy not to. <laughs> Number three is uh, Ready or Not, uh, which which bears. Um, oh, a, my uh, God. Yep, yep, yep. Uh, bears a bears a resemblance uh, in terms of the family dynamic to another film on my list that we'll get to, but yeah, uh, this this movie is absolutely insane uh, and has the the single craziest family I, I I think on this list for a multitude of reasons. Um, number two is uh, is 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 Parasite. Um, this is a family that uh, that is willing to work together uh, to do you know to get things done, but when they're not, they are not big fans of each other. Um, and this is one that I need to uh, this is one that I need to rewatch as well. Uh, but my number one is I mean, how can I not with Glass Onion on the way? It's Knives Out. Um, this family uh, again, you know, they they love busting each other's balls all day long. They love contradicting each other. They love lying. They love scheming. Uh, and only one of them is a murderer. So, uh, surprise, uh, surprising or not. Um, yeah. So, so knives out is, it kind of, ha- I mean, I mean, it's one of my favorite movies. It, it, it kind of had to be number one, but isn't one a Nazi <laughs> when, the, when the Nazi child was masturbating in the bathroom. <laughs> Did you oh, see I can't that wait for Glass Onion. I, I know it's not like a dysfunctional family. Right. But God, can Ryan Johnson put an ensemble together? It's like, <laughs> eat shit, eat shit, eat shit. Do you see, um, I saw this recently that Ryan Johnson and Daniel Craig briefly considered uh, inexplicably changing Benoit Blanc's accent every movie. for those listening my jaw dropped for a second (laughs) processing that and realizing how much that would be amazing yeah 
<laughs> but cooler, cooler heads prevailed. But still, I think that is a frankly genius idea. <laughs> oh, man. That would have been hilarious. Would have loved that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, next up is uh, Richard Jenkins Films. Now, um, Shane, I believe we agreed on uh, on, on sort of mixing uh, films and and performances in in in, yeah. in how we ranked these. Um, I think I think mine works well for both film and performances, um, well enough at least. Um, but uh, yeah, so Richard Jenkins, absolutely incredible actor. He's been acting for decades, um, and mm-hmm. uh, yeah, uh, he is one. He he is an actor that you know. This is one that you could just go through his entire filmography. There is so much fascinating stuff in there: genre fair, drama fair, regular old stuff, weird out there stuff. It's amazing. Um, my number, uh, my number five is Step Brothers, in which he, of course, plays uh, the the father. Um, he is plays he is straight, Yeah, he is the straight man uh, in in this story, and he is incredible doing it until uh, he cracks four, too. Until he, he just wants to be a dinosaur, <laughs> kind of roam around the backyard. <laughs> so I'd get a job. <laughs> Uh, my number four is uh, The Cabin in the Woods, one of my favorite movies. Um, another one where he is playing uh, the straight man and ends up yep. being one of the funniest parts of the movie. Him uh, and Bradley Whitford. Yeah, j- j- perfect. Absolutely. That might be one of my favorite on-screen pairings of all time. I think they are they are just so funny together. Mm-hmm. Um, number three is Nightmare Alley, which was pretty recent, but he is really devastating in this movie. And I did A not monster. expect <laughs> Like a monster <laughs> yeah yeah I, I i did not expect him to come out and do that um i yeah. knew that he was in the movie i didn't really expect him to do that um yeah he he's he's fantastic and and he's only in it for a couple minutes overall but he is great yeah that almost made my list mm-hmm. yeah very uh, number two is uh spotlight uh another movie that he he, he isn't in it a ton uh, but he does make a make a significant impact with what he does and number one, uh, the the most recent film I believe that he was Oscar nominated for is The Shape of Water, uh, a movie that I will defend to the end. Uh, and I I think he's 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 really heartbreaking here, uh, yep. especially because of the character that he's playing and and what he and 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 the part he has to play in the story. I just think is really sad, but also really uplifting, especially by the end. Um, yeah, so that is that is The Shape of Water. Yeah, um, my list is actually very close to yours. Um, I have three films in common mm-hmm. um one that i don't have in common is number five which is bone tomahawk and he this is such an interesting ensemble in this film with him matthew fox patrick wilson and kurt russell and he plays kind of like a bumbling character that's along for the ride, but he plays it so earnestly. Number four is the cabin in the woods. Like, uh, him, him and him and Bradley, uh, Woodford. So great. Um, number three is Step Brothers. I just love Step Brothers. That is, he, Richard Jenkins does not get enough credit for being one of the funniest pieces of that movie. Like his reaction to his car and like his boat getting demolished. <laughs> my boat. Is that my boat? And like him, ah! And also, one of my favorite line deliveries is like when he is completely done with his family. He's just like, "I'm gonna go to the bar, Cheesecake Factory." <laughs> That's like the most defeated, yeah, kind of thing ever. My number two is Burn After Reading. Mm-hmm. 
I'm a huge fan of Cohen's, and he also does not get enough credit because, like, the two, like, the three biggest performance in this is, like, one, Brad Pitt, which everybody remembers, George Clooney and his paranoid, who are you working for? Um, and then Francis McDormand, but, like, Richard Jenkins, and I quote, we do not, uh, we don't, we don't support that here at Hard Bodies. Like, anytime something happens that, like, it's not kosher with me, that's how I respond to people. And he just has such an, he has such a significant role, and just, like, John Malkovich is like, you're in, you're in the league of morons. It's like, she, she's not a moron. And just, like, the way that he tries to stick up for Francis McDormand, and then number one, Shape of Water, because... Mm-hmm. That I really legitimately think that's his best performance he's ever given. It's heartbreaking. It's earnest. It's beautiful. And I love that movie to pieces. So, yeah, people who want to crap talk that and say it didn't deserve best picture can go go somewhere. Not in front of me. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I, I recently rewatched uh, Cabin in the Woods. And um, oh, what else did I what what else did I get to? Um, I, I also re- uh, rewatched Step Brothers over the summer, and um, yeah, I, I I mean his his work in there is not truly center stage, but it it really should be thought of as such, uh, even if he mm-hmm. isn't on screen uh, a lot of the time. He is he is doing doing the Lord's work. Uh, <laughs> yeah, he, I rewatched that during my bachelor party day. <laughs> So, because what else do you watch on your bachelor during your bachelor party than Step Brothers? Yeah, um, there's a. I was going to get to I I wanted to get to Bone Tomahawk and Burn after reading this week, but I didn't get a chance. So so the fact that they're on your list means that I will definitely get them. Um, Highly recommend Burn after reading. That's such a fun time. Yeah, yeah, I'll I'll definitely definitely have to get to it. Um, our final category is 2020, uh, the year where a lot of movies uh, premiered on digital and streaming, um, and a couple in theaters early on in the year. Uh, Kajillionaire, the film that we talked about today, premiered at Sundance in January 2020, right before the world shut down, um, but then was released theatrically where it was open and digitally in, in, in fall of 2021, just about two years ago, actually, in uh, September. Um, so Shane, you said you, uh, you, you got a screener for it, and that was one of the yep. first ones you got. Yeah, it was a it was an exciting time then. I'm like, this this is new. This is cool. These things are cool, and now I have a lot of them. And it's just like, wow, what two years have made. But I guess to go to my list of 2020. So I have a very interesting list for a very interesting year of film. So number five, HBO's Bad Education, and because Hugh Jackman gave one of the best performances, I think, period of the last few years as this disgusting, like, superintendent of the school district. And, um, no, he's the principal. He's just absolutely amazing. And this is such a dark, great dark comedy. Um, Number four, Sean the Sheep, Farmageddon. (laughs) <laughs> because and i am dead serious sean the sheep is an absolute treasure and farmageddon was one of the funniest most endearing and beautiful experiences i had in 2020 and now for something completely different uh number three is never rarely sometimes always mm-hmm. um which is a heartbreaking 
very raw, very real film about a young woman trying to go cross state lines to get an abortion. Uh, number two, and now for a bunch of middle-aged men getting tipsy, and it's another round. Oh my God, when I watch this for the first time, this movie blew me away, and it legitimately has the most cathartic ending I think I've ever watched in a movie. <laughs> and number one, Wolf Walkers, because Cartoon nice. Saloon is king, and <laughs> this movie hit all the boxes for me. It's absolutely breathtakingly gorgeous, and exciting and magical and downright intense at points too so yeah yeah nice very nice um this was uh i i'm, I'm glad that our lists are separate even though i'm disappointed i couldn't get to uh, another round or wolf walkers before be- before doing this uh, my number five is uh the invisible man uh, which, of course, came out in February of, of 2020. Uh, this movie scared the crud out of me uh, yep. so much that I uh, I did not want to sleep uh, after seeing it for the first time because I watched it super late. And uh, I am much scared or, uh, more scared of what I can't see rather than what I can. So, uh, yeah, this movie was responsible for giving me a terrible night's sleep. Um, number four is The Father. Uh, oh my God, I have never cried so hard at an Anthony Hopkins performance. Uh, Jesus Christ. Uh, and the, the, the bad reviews for Florian Zeller's new movie, The Sun, make me very sad uh, because of that. Oh, it's getting bad reviews? Yeah, yeah, which no. bumps me out so badly. I don't know how you can make The Father and then make a bad movie. But I love it. But, but it has maybe, Anthony maybe Hopkins and Hugh Jackman in it. <laughs> Oh man, <sighs> yeah. Who, who who knew that that was something you you can mess up? Um, number three is a movie that not many people have heard of, uh, but I watched it very recently. It's called The Kid Detective. Um, yeah, which which really like breathes new life into this like old hero detective who comes back for one last case trope that we've all seen a thousand times. Um, I I just loved how simple it was while not certain while not treating its audience like they were idiots. That's a really difficult balance to strike, and and the kid detective does it astonishingly well. Um, my number uh, my number two is Beyond the Infinite Two Minutes, another movie that not many people have seen but definitely deserves Crazy. to see. Uh, this is an insane movie. It's just wacky, super wacky science fiction that pulled me in from from minute one. Um, immaculate production value, I will say, uh, despite not being super uh, super high budget. Um, like like they they really make the most with what they have. Um, so def- definitely, if, if you're going to watch this one, go in knowing as little as possible. Um, and uh, my, my final one is, uh, number one, one of my favorite movies is Palm Springs, which unfortunately went straight to Hulu, really didn't deserve to, but holy heck. This movie has this movie made me, makes me laugh. This movie makes me cry. This movie makes me care about the time loop subgenre of science fiction and fantasy again, and uh, and 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 just only reaffirms how much I love Andy Samberg as a comedic talent. So there we go. Oh my god, J.K. Simmons too. So fun fact: I originally hated Andy Samberg. Mm-hmm. I know. I think and, we've, I think we've uh, we, we've discussed that on the on the Lost in the Wasteland <laughs> episode. Yeah, that I was on the first Andy time. Samberg, but my God, after watching Pop Star mm-hmm. and then um, Brooklyn Nine Nine, I love Andy Samberg, and my Good. God, Palm Springs should have been nominated for Best Picture. What Absolutely. the hell were you doing, Academy? <laughs> <laughs> what were you doing? <laughs> 
Yeah. Yeah, it's uh you know, movies like that never really get nominated for the, for the big ones, which really stinks. Um but you know, if there was one in the last couple of years, this year was weird too. 2020 was strange. Um just because of you know what really qualifies as as, as uh, you know for the awards? Does it have to be in theaters? What if no theaters are open? Uh, and those are questions that we're still uh, you know a lot of streamers are just putting their movies in theaters for a couple of days just just to qualify. I feel like we should be past the point that you need to put a movie in a theater for it to qualify. Mm-hmm. It's a film, right? Acknowledge it. Yeah, like acknowledge it. <laughs> Um, so Shane, uh, why don't you tell the, uh, the viewers out there, the viewers and listeners out there, what we are watching for next week's episode. Next week, we're watching 1963's The Sporting Life, which is a film about a rugby player played by Richard Harris. So oh, yeah. time to get British. <laughs> time to, we, we, we get British on the, uh, on, on the Rhone in the Wasteland. I apologize for all of you uh, UK viewers out there. I know you're going through a tough time right now. Actually, this is going to come out in like a month. So <laughs> hopefully you're over this. 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 this hopefully tough it will be better. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or worse, depending on, you know, I know your country's kind of heading for economic collapse, but oh, it's going to be fine. It's going to be fine. It's going to be fine. <laughs> Prince, uh, well, King King Charles III is going to save you, right? <laughs> King Charles III, new prime minister, Liz Truss. Is there anyone you can trust right now? We'll have to find out. James uh, we are Bond. Not gonna, yeah, yeah, we're not going to be able to answer that question after watching this movie. I can damn near guarantee you. <laughs> um, but uh, we could talk about it for for forty minutes on this on on this podcast. Um, so, Shane, uh, where would you like to send the viewers and listeners out there? What do you want them to check out? Check out the Wasteland Review YouTube channel at this very moment. I'm at nine hundred and thirteen subscribers. Get creeping, this man creeping, to a thousand. <laughs> creeping, 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 getting there. Check out my Instagram, The Wasteland Reviewer, and you can check out everything else that I do. I've been a my YouTube. I always keep up with some of the other things I haven't been doing as much lately because school, school started and I've been busy. But be getting back into that. I'm just about finished writing my The Wasteland Vintage Roadshow article for Scribe Magazine on AI, artificial intelligence, which I'm continuing. And I'm in the 2000s now for my Spielberg adventure. And more importantly, check out my Instagram story. I My tournament will still be going on to decide who's next. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Uh, but the real question is, is, is it still going to be going on in one month? <laughs> yes. Oh, wow. At that point, we'll be in the second round. So cool. we'll cool. weed out all the Rob Zombies and the Michael Bays. Mm, and the Tommy Wiseau's. Sorry, Aaron. <laughs> um, I don't know. I'm a little worried about that day. <laughs> hey, at I least feel that like one, I see at least that see one trolls easy, on the Instagram. Right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, at least there are trolls that are doing, you know, something something beneficial as opposed to, you know, just spamming. Uh, depends on what on, on what you define as beneficial, I suppose. But anyway, well, yeah, uh, if can... they make me watch the room again, then yeah, it won't be beneficial to me. I vow <laughs> to never watch that film ever again. There are going to be a lot of people uh, that, that are going to want to be on that episode, Shane. <laughs> oh, it's just going to be – well, Aaron has to be on it. <laughs> of course. I would also very – I would also like to throw my hat in the ring. I've seen The Room at least four times. Um. <laughs> I'm going to like cap it out at like five people. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I got to put a cap on this. 
<laughs> um, anyway, uh, you can find my stuff at uh, thelenientcritic.com. That's L-E-N-I-E-N-T, critic. <laughs> Uh, yeah, uh, and you can find most of my other stuff there. I have another podcast called Knock on Wood where I talk about movies for an hour with uh, with one of my movie friends, and it's uh, it's usually a really good time. I got to get Shane on at some point. I'm a movie um, friend. You are, you are, you are the movie friend, in fact. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so uh, I want to thank you all out there for listening. Um, we we really really appreciate it, especially if you if you've gotten this far. But um, yeah, so uh, for Shane Conto and Rowan Wood, we will see you next week.